On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcasts platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Hello, you're welcome to the left wing. Well, Ireland are facing into a must-win game in the Women's Six Nations this weekend. They play Italy at Musgrave Park on Sunday. Ireland are second last in the table with zero points after two rounds. They're above Italy on points difference. Now, Greg McWilliams has named the Ireland team to play Italy. The headline is that Bavine Parsons at last is back in the starting team in one of four changes. Now, more of that in a while. Joining me is Irish independent rugby writer Keen Tracy and Wasps hooker Kleena Maloney. Kina, thanks for joining Keen and myself. What's it been like for you personally not being part of the Ireland squad and the Six Nations? It's difficult to watch on, I guess. Uh, luckily enough, I've got some club fixtures over here to focus on. So we've been playing cup games. Uh, the first weekend of the Six Nations, we were up in DMP, DMP playing Durham uh, Sharks. And last weekend when they were playing France, we were actually playing Gloucester. So a welcome distraction for both games. Um, we've no fixture this weekend and the game's on Sunday, so I will be watching that one live rather than watching it back. Um, yeah, it is difficult. Uh, it's difficult, I, f- I feel, for the girls too. I mean, they're, they're, they've got some positive new things going on in the team, but they are struggling to, to find a result, which is, which is hard. Yeah, and look, because of Ireland's problems, I suppose, in the last few weeks at set piece, there have been calls again this week for you to be brought back into the squad. Now, the Ireland scrum coach, Rob Sweeney, was asked about you at the press conference earlier this week, and he said, look, the door isn't closed. You're a smashing player. They're back in the players that are in the current squad. Do you feel you still have a lot to offer Ireland? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think any rugby player would tell you that they didn't. They probably wouldn't be playing anymore if they, if they were to say that they didn't feel like they were good enough. Um, yeah, look, the set piece is a re- it's a really difficult one. It can't be fixed, you know, overnight. Um, and I've said that before. I think if it was that easy, everyone would do it, or you know, they'd find their way into the front row somehow. Um, it's it's not as easy as it looks from TV either. You know, um, you only see so much from those angles. A lot of it, a lot of it about scrummaging is about feel and what's actually going on going on in there. I can't really tell you what's going right or what's going wrong for the girls, but uh, you know, a starting point would be the height. Um, height difference, especially because they're a smaller pack. I think if they could really bring Italy down, and if they could have brought France and Wales down, because those girls are bigger, you know, you'd be you'd be bringing them to an uncomfortable position where Ireland would be maybe stronger at. That'd be a start for me, and then I guess after that, it's a it's a, it's a bit of a new group of players, so it, it will take them a while to figure out what's what, what's going to work, especially with Linda switching across to to Lucid. Now, look, just before we go on again to the rest of the team. Um, just about yourself, Greg McWilliams said your omission from the extended squad was a rugby decision and he did leave out other experienced players like saying Nayupu and Anna Kaplis. But the rest of us are still left wondering if your slurry spreading description about Anthony Eddy's comments last November played into you being left out of the squad. What do you think? 
I honestly couldn't tell you. And I, I probably as much in the dark as everyone else is. I don't know. All I, all I know is what has been said. I don't, I haven't had any other conversation. I haven't, I haven't been in camp to know anything different. Um, so I guess it must, you know, all we're left with is, is the, what's been put out there, which is that it's a rugby decision and it's based on form. I don't know one way or another. I, I can't, I can't read minds, um, unfortunately. So I can't give you any more information on that. That's, that's as much as I know. Lena, just just on that, I mean, what would you describe your form as at the moment? Do you think your form has been good, or like if you were to honestly say where you are right now, what would you say? It's a difficult one too because I, you know, admittedly had a red card in the the big game against Harlequins just after Christmas. There, so that was, I think that was twenty seventh of December. Um, it ended up being a three match ban. It was reduced to two um, because I did the coach and intervention course. So I actually only ended up missing out on one game because it was another game postponed due to COVID, which couldn't be rescheduled. Actually, it was a it was another reason it was postponed and it wasn't rescheduled. So I actually only missed one game of rugby. Um, but I guess that in itself would have maybe taken me out of you know even just preparing for those games that didn't happen. It kind of probably did have a little bit of an impact on my my run of form post Christmas. Um, I think still I'm I you know I I'd be a fool to to lie to you. I I obviously believe I'm good enough to be there. Um, you have to have that belief in yourself as a player. I believe I would have something to offer. Um, but that, again, I'm not selecting the team. And, you know, I'm not. It is a transitional time. We're not going to the World Cup in October. You know, we're, we do have um, quite a bit of time now before we will be competing to qualify for the next World Cup as well, whenever that is decided. So there is, um, you know, there's a lot of new players in there. So it's, it's probably a mixture of both, to be honest. But it's your experience as well. I think that could be a real value to the Ireland squad as well, Kleena. They really are without a lot of experience. As much as we're saying it's a tra- time of transition, um, I'd imagine they could do with the experience that you bring as well. Yeah, um, no doubt. I'm sure I, I would be able to offer something. I, I don't know what, as I said, you know, the the scrum issues in particular, it's really hard to see from the outside in, you know, watching. You don't really know what's happening. You need to be in there to get a feel of what to do next or how to fix things. Um so I hope I'd be able to offer something there. I'm, you know, I can't say what is actually going right or what's going wrong. Um, but yeah, you'd always kind of back yourself and back your your ambitions. I think you wouldn't be playing international rugby if you didn't. No, of course not. And look, watch this space. Now, look, as I said at the top, the Ireland team to play Italy has been named. Bavian Parsons is back on the wing in one of four changes to the team. Now, we discussed this on last week's podcast. I could not get my head around why our best player wasn't in the starting team. What did you make of that, Kleena? And... Of course, I suppose the key thing probably for Baving as well, because of that disappointment with not starting those opening two games, is not, not to force things too much when she starts on Sunday. She's our best player. Even Greg said that last week. But would she still feel that she'll have a point to prove on, on Sunday? A little bit. I think she might she might be a little bit disappointed about, you know, her first three involvements against France when she came off the bench at half time. It, it was three hours. And that that's really frustrating because when you come off the bench, especially when you're coming in at halftime, you want to be that injection of life into the team. And it can go one way or another. And unfortunately, the momentum wasn't really with Ireland anyway. They did have a better second half performance against France, but she, she started her half with three errors, which can kind of, it can maybe make her second guess the next couple of phases or the next couple of balls she gets. Um, So I'm hoping maybe that the start will suit her more. You know, it'll suit her in terms of her confidence. Her build and her prep into the week will be different. You know, she'll be more involved in the captain's run. She'll be running those launch plays from the very start. You know, she'll be getting her hands on the ball more this week than she would have done as a as a bench player. You kind of you're there to facilitate the starting team a lot in the in the run up to international matches. So, you know, the confidence builder this week might suit her more in, in terms of starting against Italy. 
Yeah, no, it's great to see her back in the team. Um, also back is Catherine Dean at Scrum Half, Christy Haney at Titled, which is her first start for Ireland. She came off the bench, obviously, in Toulouse last weekend. And Hannah O'Connor is at eight. What stood out to you, Keen, um, about that team selection today? Yeah, I think Maven Parsons, Sinead, is, is the obvious one. I think Gina hit the nail on the head there, really, when she came on last week. Um, I think her first uh, involvement was a was a high tackle, really. Like, you know, and he it was just lucky, showed... Was she? She, she was just Leon. like it, it looked like she was over eager to impress and you can't blame a player like that she's a young girl like who's come into the team and she's probably been annoyed that she hasn't been starting over the last two weeks so I think you'd only be human if you weren't coming in and trying to make a big impression so I think Lena's right she'll definitely be all the better for it and look it's better it, it's you know better late than never because like we said Sinead over the last couple of weeks if she didn't start this weekend you're facing the prospect of the fact that she might not she might not be starting any of the Six Nations games which would be a travesty really so look there's a big crowd expected to be down in Musgrave Park on Sunday I think over 5,000 tickets have already been sold which is great and like we said all along so many of those people going along there are going along to see baby in person so uh hopefully she can she can add something different to be honest i think i can understand um all four changes to the starting team that that have been made um i think as well as avian riley has done over the last couple of weeks i think her inexperience has shown on one or two occasions i still think her passing game i think needs a bit of work still and i think catherine dane is experienced and maybe, you know, she might have got a, a bit of a kick from having a younger player come in and essentially take her spot in the team. So you'd be looking to see a big response from her. Um, Chrissy Haney, yeah, she came in last week um, off the bench and helped kind of steady the scrum a little bit. The set piece is going to be massive. I'm sure we'll get into it more in more detail with Kleena. Like they've had so little time this week to, to, prepare, to, to fix whatever errors they had identified in their game. But Italy's set piece hasn't been great either this season so they do have a chance to get back on track and I think Hannah Connor coming in O'Connor coming in at number eight is is definitely I think a good call as well I think Brittany Hogan has done well over the first two two games but I think Ireland really need a bit more ballast from number eight I think you know they've struggled to get over the gain line on a couple of times I'm sure that the, the girl on the call here with us who could definitely sort of um contribute to that clean if she was involved but I think they need a bit more kind of punch a bit more go forward particularly from the back of the scrum so there'll be a bit of pressure I think on Hannah O'Connor coming in because like I said Brittany Hogan did well um, and then you also have a 19 year old in Aoife Wafer on the bench so it's a big opportunity for her no doubt like Greg McWilliams just came off the call with him was saying that her younger sister is actually in um traveling with the Ireland under 18 squad this week so there's two of them very close in age and she's also a back row so that's going to be very interesting to watch over the couple of years to see if we have two sisters play in the same Irish back row so I think the overall Sinead the team really needed to be freshened up over the last two weeks you know we stuck with the same 23 but there's girls are getting their chance now and it's a big big game there's very different pressure I think on on this week compared to the opening two rounds you know okay Wales was at home but like we we discussed you know they have gone professional and that gives them a huge added advantage last week was a free shot they'll be disappointed I think with the manner of the defeat but this week I think there's pressure on big home crowd Italy it's a level playing field it's it's amateurs against amateurs if that's the way you want to put it um, and there's big pressure I think on this Ireland team to to get a win because if they don't they've got England up next and a Scotland side who've looked decent as well in the Six Nations.
Yeah, what do you make of the team selection, Kleena? Obviously, as well, um, no place for Emer Constein at all in the match day squad. So Lucy Mulhall starts for Ireland for the first time at fullback. Um, what stood out for you about the team selection, Kleena? Do you agree with those the changes made? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely pleased to see Catherine Dane back in at nine. I think there's nothing wrong with Avian Riley, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to, to have a pop at her at all. But I think I would have always started Catherine at nine and brought Avian off off the bench, you know, to inject a little bit more pace. Catherine would just give you that bit of steadiness and consistency, particularly at the start of the game that you might want to try and get your launch plays right, you know, to try and exit when you need to exit, box kick, all the rest of it. I think Catherine's just maybe a little bit more experienced, a little bit more steady. So I am looking forward to seeing her kind of back in at nine this weekend. She's She's got a good knowledge of the game as well and she, she'll be a good leader for them around the park. Um, Christy Haney came on and did, did well in the scrummaging, but again, Linda had switched back over at that point back to her usual tight head spot so it's difficult to know which was which in terms of the difference in the scrummaging you know Linda would be more comfortable at tight head I think that's where we had her for a good while at, at Ireland and mm-hmm. I think maybe that might suit her a little bit more currently she might be more comfortable there than she is at loose head um, so we'll be interested to see how they go from the start with with with, with Linda at loose head and Christy at tight head at their um Emer hasn't probably had the, the start she would have liked in, in the tournament so far. So I can kind of understand, I can understand him moving the backs around a little bit. I don't know what he will do when it comes to the England game, because as you mentioned, the, the sevens will be gone. So will Emer come back in and will she be back in at fullback? I'm not sure how that's going to work and how he's going to have to switch around that back line, particularly with the subs he brings on this weekend, looking towards England. And then Han O'Connor, as you mentioned, at eight, we probably, we haven't really nailed down that spot since kind of the loss of, Kira Griffin, I suppose. Um, I don't know who the answer is at eight for Ireland. It, it, it will take us a little while to find out because, you know, back row at international level is, is a really, really competitive field. You've got some of the best players in the world playing there in England and in other countries and Wales. Um, so it's going to be a hard one. It's going to be hard shoes to fill uh, Kira Griffin's boots at eight, I think. Just on that, Kleena, uh, and Sinead as well, um, just a thought that I had over the last couple of weeks watching it um, is Dorothy Wall. Do you think she she hmm. could make a good number eight? I mean, like she's clearly one of Ireland's most powerful ball carriers if she was at number eight. I suppose it probably reminded me of the debate people have about Caelan Doris at the moment. Yeah. You know, if he's at number eight, he gets more involvement. And I was kind of thinking if Dorothy Wall was at number eight and she's a big girl, like, you know, she, she could well be an answer. Now, I don't know if she's played there before, but do you think she could be an option? That's an interesting call, Kina, yeah. Physique-wise, physique I think you're you're on the money there. She looks, mm. you know, she looks more like the fit of an eight that you would pick if you were to look at the team from the outside in. I don't know if they have ever tried her there in training, certainly not when I was there. I don't think she has been, she has been tried at eight yet. It was, it's definitely worth a shot. Um, and if you could, if she could own that position and kind of bring herself into that position over the next few years, there's nothing stopping that from happening. As I mentioned, you know, we don't have a World Cup in, in September or October to be worrying about. You can you can try those things, especially when she's got the natural ability in terms of size and power. She's yeah, skillful like as well. Yeah. yeah, she's she's skillful as well. I think she, like, she gets players involved in the game. She's well able to get over the game. And so I think Ireland have lacked a bit of that. Like I said, a bit of punch at the base of the scrum. And I'd be very interested to see if they do. Now, that's just me kind of at the top of my head having watched it. So I'd be interested to see if they do look at it. Yeah, I think that's actually a good call. Um, Tina, you mentioned it there. We saw the issues that Ireland had in the scrum against France. France just decimated Ireland in that area. Um, it's not going to be like France's, but Italy have a good scrum. Is it possible to fix this in the space of a few days? We know they only came back into camp together yesterday. There, there's a couple of simple things that you can do that will just help, I guess. And, and number one for me is the height. Um, and the height and almost staying in the fight once, once things aren't going your way, if the hooker hasn't got a clean strike, 
you know, I can kind of see a little bit that everyone's legs kind of come up. They start more hinging at the hips and you can you can see more more straight legs, especially from the second row back row area if the scrum isn't going Ireland's way. And that's only really compounding the error for them. So when they start off at a bad height and then they maybe don't get the strike or the hit that they want in the scrum and then you see kind of everyone's legs standing up and they go long, long levered, you're then compounding the error of starting in a bad position. So I think that'll be two simple fixes and they're not hugely technical things. That's just starting in a good position and staying in a good position. Um, other than that, as I said, you kind of need to be in there to feel what's happening, to feel who's being exposed or what's going wrong. Um, and the camera angles as well aren't, aren't great. We don't we don't have the luxury of as many angles as we would do for that's you know, very true. A, yeah. a men's fixture in the principality where you've got the drone and the side <laughs> angle and, and everything like that. What, but, no uh, drone in Musgrave Park on Sunday. I don't think so. <laughs> that's Kleena, you sound like a proper scrum nerd there. Like you want a spider cam above, like you know, just to see see the angles at engine that most of us can't understand what's going on there at all. But people like you obviously do. Yeah, I I just think those would be two two simple things, right? If we could if we could fix the height because we are a smaller pack and then just our body position, if we do get into a bit of an uncomfortable position or we're just trying to get the strike and get the ball away, you know, uh, the body position of the back five in particular could be a little bit better. We're getting a bit long levered in the legs. Keen, I suppose we saw the potential in the Ireland back line with that great team move that led to Eve Higgins scoring that try in Toulouse. And I suppose in, in the first half as well against Wales, is this the game that will allow Ireland to show that potential, that attacking threat again with backs and forwards? At Musgrave Park on Sunday. Yeah, I no, you, sorry, sorry. I, I, I think one thing as well, Sinead, that will should play into their hands is the fact that it's a three G surface, so that will make the game even quicker. And you, we've seen over the last couple of weeks that's how Greg McWilliams, you know, wants his team to play. Uh, it hasn't always come off, but they've showed great. It, like the the intention has been there, and I suppose yeah, you're right. Like Eve Higgins' try was was brilliant, and like she had that's another true. one chalked off as well, which is really well worked. Apart from getting called back for Darty Walls infringement. So, yeah, look, look, this, this stage is set. I think it's interesting, actually, as well. Um, Greg Mike Williams at the press conference was saying there that um, we're obviously speaking on Friday, that the squad were going training this afternoon against the UCC under-20s men's team, um, which is which is very interesting. I don't know, Kleena, have, have you done much of that before going up against, like, I know they're younger lads, like, but still it's, you know, they're men's teams. Um that that will provide, I'd, I would imagine, a, a real like stiff challenge. But what, what do you make of that, Clean? Have you done much of that before? Is it unusual? No, we haven't done much of before in the Ireland setup, and that's something that we would have we would have really asked for, particularly through those eighteen months um, leading into the qualifiers. But again, you know, COVID was a bit of a problem, and that we couldn't get. You know, the HBC is so strict on their COVID protocols. Of course, they had to be. Ireland was one of the most, you know. Um, successful teams in their COVID protocols and how they got teams through championships across men and women. So that's understanding as to why they had to be so strict. But we really did lack having that, you know, competition against a side, men or women who didn't know you, didn't know your plays. You know, it's not the same as going out and training against people who who know often about your team structure and how you want to attack and defend. Um, it's something that we've done a little bit over in Wasps. We sometimes go up to the academy. Um, we did we did last year. We haven't as much this year, but um, we'd go up and we'd train against some of the academy boys. We'd run, you know, some just some set moves against them. It doesn't need to be full smash, but mm. again, it presents, presents a different picture and it's, it is challenging. The speed at which they play as well, particularly the, the boys of that age, under 20s, under 18, under 19s, it's, it's, it's challenging for us. Yeah, and I think we saw that last week as well, like the line speed that France got the few times Ireland went on the ball. It was just different level stuff. And I think... I'd like to see Ireland be the ones to bring that now this weekend against Italy. I'd like to be, you know, them being the ones to kind of stamp their authority on it. And, you know, 
they lacked a little bit of control, you know, trying to play the ball from deep. It was crazy stuff at times. Like you have to admire the approach, but there has to be a better balance on when to play the ball and playing your ball from your own line against France in Toulouse was not a good idea. So like that's part of this steep learning curve. And I think that's something that you don't need, Sinead, like, you know, hours of training sessions to sort out. That's just kind of, you know, getting your mentality right. So from that end, you'd like to see Nicole Cronin maybe bring a bit more control from 10. You know, she'd probably be helped by having Catherine Dane at nine alongside her. Like Kleena has said, she's full of experience. So, and for all it, there has been changes at half back in the back three. I think it's good that he's kept faith with Eve Higgins and Stacey Flood. Like they, they have formed a decent center combination. So um, I think the changes are good, but there's stability within there as well in each of the departments. So I'd like to see Ireland be the one, like I said, to be aggressive in bringing the game to Italy this weekend. Yeah. What would you like to see essentially as well, Cleaner, this weekend? I think so. I guess building on from 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 Wales to, to France, we did see an improvement. The penalty out was slightly lower, you know. So we we saw an improvement in their discipline. Um, the, the scrum and lineup may have may have deteriorated deteriorated a little bit, but we saw they had at least a balance of possession. So there was fifty percent possession against France, but then the turnovers were high. So now we'll be looking at this weekend keeping that penalty count low, you know, solidifying the scrum and lineup a little bit. I'd like to see them move towards a tempo call in the lineout. So instead of maybe traditionally having a pre-call where the you know the pack comes in on a huddle and the hooker goes to the line, for everyone to get there and it to be more of a you know a signal or a call or whatever it is, but just something to try and speed the game up. Ireland have got great ambition in their open field attack. I'd like them to see put I'd like to see them put Italy under the cosh in terms of the line out, in terms of just getting in there, making a call. If it's on for Nickel Friday or Sam Monen, to go and take it and to back their kind of reaction and their speed of play in that way. I think that's how they can get some ascendancy and build Neve's confidence in the line out. Um, in terms of scrum, as I said earlier, it's easy easy fixes in terms of, you know, just their sight, their height uh, from the start and then how they maintain their body position in the fight as that scrum progresses on. If they can do all those things, it's then down to what I mentioned earlier about discipline in defence and then keeping the ball in attack. They had, I think, 24. The, the figures of the stats are slightly different depending on who you talk to, but somewhere in around... 22 to 26 turnovers, I think, against France. Um, so if they can keep that number down, you know, there's only four things that I mentioned. Like they're not easy fixes, but if they can kind of compile all of the areas that they can make little improvements, all of a sudden the momentum will shift and they'll probably, you'll see them come into themselves a little bit more. And I, I have to back up what Keen said there about Eve Higgins. She's my pick for um, Ireland's Player of the Year this season. I think you'll see her picking up that word from RPI at the end of the season. She's been phenomenal in attack and defence. And Sam Monaghan, I must say as well. Athena, how yeah. do you think Neve Jones has gone? Have you been particularly watching her uh, closely during the Six Nations as well? Yeah, I, I must say Neve, Neve is a very, very good player. She has had huge amounts of potential. And I was I, I was glad to see her come over to Gloucester earlier on in the season because I felt like she'd almost been lost in the AIL, almost similar to myself before I came over here. You know, you she was playing at Malone, I was playing at Railway, but um, I was having a similar battle or a different battle, sorry, in that maybe, you know, I was running over the top of people or finding things too easy because I was playing in a league that I'd kind of maybe surpassed. And she was playing in a team that maybe weren't achieving the ability in Malone that, that she should have been able to achieve. She has a fantastic skill set. You know, her work rate is huge. She had 20, 23, 24 tackles in the first game. I think she's now up around 34 30, 30, she's, she's up at 35 and hasn't missed one she packs she, a, she one. packs a serious punch in defense because she she's not she's not the biggest girl but my god she hits hers no she, she's incredibly strong and she is a brilliant person as well i can't say that enough she's a very very good person and she's huge potential 
And I can't wait to see how she does develop. I hope she's getting the help from those around her and the support from the coaching staff of what she needs to do in the scrums and the lineouts because she definitely has the potential in, in, in every other area of the game. And the rest of it is just about game time and, you know, experience at that level. It's not a, it's not a nice place to learn. It's not an easy place to learn. But she will learn and she will be she will be one of Ireland's leaders going forward. Yeah, I suppose the reality here as well, lads, is that this will be the final game of the Women's Six Nations for a lot of players. There's around eight or nine players in the matchday squad for Sunday who are sevens players. Now, Greg McWilliams confirmed with Will and Luke on the left wing earlier this week that there is going to be a big change in the squad after round three because the seven players will be going to the World Seven Series in Canada for their competition in Langford at the end of the month. Tina, I suppose no matter how well in advance we, we know about this, we understand the importance for these players to try and qualify for the Sevens World Cup later this year. Of course we do. But for the Irish team to lose a chunk of players in the middle of the Six Nations, what are we doing to ourselves here? Yeah, it is it is difficult and it's probably something that you won't see addressed um, in terms of the pathway and kind of the more availability of players, you won't see that. You won't see that problem solved in the next year or two. It'll be probably five, six years before you see the abundance of players that we need to fulfil seven to fifteen's goals. Um, and that's the realistic answer around that. Um, and the next, the the overall strategic review of the IRFU that will help that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, identification of of players around the country probably isn't good enough. There are so many people like myself who didn't take up rugby to the age of you know eighteen, nineteen. Um, and then if the talent ID pathway is kind of throwing them into a sevens environment where, yes, they are getting obviously more access to coaching and everything like that, but it's developed them as a different style of player than you would need in 15s. Um, that's brilliant when we bring them back as backs and, you know, they can fulfill that role, but then they're taken away again. So it's a, it's a bit of a catch-22 at the minute. You know, we don't have the abundance of players to be able to fulfill both, but we also don't have a pathway to be able to identify enough players to, to do that either. So, um, I mean you could look at the England model and just pick up and drop that in Ireland, but that'll take a huge amount of investing and funding and development of clubs and systems and coaches and everything all around the country. And that, that will take a long time. There's no, there's no short answer for that. I don't know what, you know, as a player, when I looked to develop um, after I kind of had felt I'd grown out of the AIL, the only option for me was to either go in and train with sevens or to come over here. So I chose to come over here because I wanted to develop as a, as a 15s player. So, um, that that's what we need to see change first in order to be able to sustain two squads. Did it know you as a player when the sevens players were taken out during the Six Nations? Oh, it does. I'm sure it, it, it'll annoy the sevens players themselves. They want to be able to do both. Of course they do. But the windows don't align and they are good enough to do both. But like the windows will never align. That will never happen. There, there's very few countries that you see now. France do it a little bit, but they've got so much more of a pool of players to pick from to start with. Like you'll see Marjorie Mayans um, chop and change, or we would have done previously between sevens and fifteens. She's now, I think, retired from the sevens program, and she's fully focused on the fifteens. They do it with some of the other players, but as I mentioned, they've got a you know they've got an enormous amount of players to pick from. Um, I think in Ireland we probably don't have enough to sustain both. They don't really do it in England anymore. Um, it's very much more two separate programs. Um, so the answer is probably the pathways, but you won't see that happen for, for quite a while. The, ta- the talent ID, you, you touched on it there, Kleena, is, is so important, all this, isn't it, Sinead? Like you mentioned Sam Monaghan. I mean, I was looking earlier, she's 28, 29, and like she has literally come out of nowhere in terms of like playing international rugby. And you look at her performances over the last two weeks, she's been immense. And like, it's not just the, the flashy offload. She's been seriously, seriously good. So if that's a girl who's 28, 29, 
just coming on to the international scene. Like, imagine how good she'd be if she had been involved in rugby from a, from an earlier age. So the players are out there. It's just trying to make the sport, I think, as attractive as possible. And that's a far bigger issue than, you know, what's going on this weekend in Musgrave Park. But, you know, if Ireland get down there and they play well and you see Baby and Parsons scores a try or whatever, young girls are going to want a taste of that. And you're going to... You know, you'll have the next Sam Onhin, excuse me, um, you know, will, will be coming through. And I think that's the key to, to grow in the game in terms of like identifying these players early and not kind of relying on, you know, the late bloomers, which like Cleena said, like there's so many of them in the squad and they've done so well to make the ground up. But really for Ireland to get back, you need, you need the players to be involved earlier. So that's why it's great to see a 19 year old hopefully making her debut this weekend, you know, and um, that's what you want to see going forward. Absolutely. Now, look, before we get kind of predictions for the game, we can't let this rugby podcast go without acknowledging the announcement by Sean O'Brien today saying that he's going to retire at the end of the season. Clean. Uh, what I liked about uh, Sean O'Brien as well was that he was one of the very few, very few former or current male Ireland players who stuck their head above the parapet after your World Cup qualifiers last year and tweeted that not enough was being done for you and that the powers need to do more. Did that strike you at the time? Did you, did you see that? Support. I did. Uh, no one, Sean, no, it didn't surprise me at all. <laughs> he's, he's a great fella. He's great crack. He's always willing to help out. Um, you know, I've had conversations with him, as have lots of the girls, about line outs and anything that we'd need to need help on. He's over here in London. And if you were ever to need him for anything, he'd bring, he'd happily meet you for a cup of coffee, sit down, help you watch your games or anything like that. You know, he's very, he's very helpful in that way. And he's very just honest. He's just a, he's a decent fella. So, um, very sad to see him retire he probably I think there's very few people that get the end that they wanted he's at least still playing you know we saw obviously Dan Levy retiring earlier on and not able to get back to playing so that that's incredibly sad so at least Sean is is currently playing that's 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 something of what he deserves but um no he's he's a great guy and we'll be sad to see him not playing again Keen. Oh yeah, unbelievable player, Sinead. I mean, it's sort of poignant in a way that, you know, himself and Dan Levy both announced their retirements in the same week, like obviously very different careers and they're retiring at very different ages. But my God, like those two lads like were cursed with injuries at different times of their careers, but two of the best back rows the country has ever produced really. And, you know, we speak about the women and in terms of talent ID and trying to spread the pathways. I think the work that Sean O'Brien has done coming from Tolo, you know, like not a lot, not a lot of lads were coming through that system. Obviously you'd have a few exceptions along the way or Shane Horgan's and whatnot, but particularly in Leinster, you know, it's mostly about the big rugby schools and he's shown that if you're good enough, you can come from rural Ireland, rural Ireland. And I think a lot of player, young players will have taken heart from that. And like Lena said, like, look, he's, he's had a good couple of years, probably hasn't played as much as he would have liked in London Irish, but from talking to people over there, the impact that he's made off the pitch in particular has been huge on the younger players. And, you know, he hasn't announced what he's doing yet, but certainly I think in the last couple of lines in his statement, you know, it kind of suggested maybe that a, a career in coaching could be on, on the cards. And I know we'll over to the women's squad there. Yeah. It could, yeah. It could do worse. Couldn't he? Um, but yeah, like, I mean, even when he was with Leinster, he used to go back to Tolo all the time to train the younger teams and stuff. So he was always big on giving back. So, an incredible player, like I said, one of the one of the Irish greats. It'll be fascinating to see what he do ne- what he does next because you'd imagine he still have a lot to offer the game. Okay, lads, predictions for this weekend's game. Will Ireland get their first win on Sunday, Cleena? I hope so. I, I really, really do hope so. Um, I think as I as I mentioned, you have seen some improvements in certain areas. If they can kind of compile everything all together, get a little bit more momentum through their set piece um, and ball retention in particular, I think you will see them pull away at the end. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think um, in Ireland, Italy have played 18 times. Italy have only ever won twice. So while like there is pressure on this week, I think Ireland have to embrace that pressure and realise that, you know, the first two weeks they were the underdogs and, you know, that certain kind of tag comes with that. Whereas this week they're, they're at home. There's a big ho- there's a big crowd going to be there to see them. So I think they just have to be brave in, in taking the game to them rather than kind of standing back and waiting for it to happen. I think... The set piece is big. Like the Italy lineout struggled against Italy last week as well. So I think that will give Neve Jones and you know Nicola Friday, who's calling the lineout, a bit more of a chance to kind of stamp their authority on it. And like Lena said, if they can make those small tweaks around the set piece, like let's be, let's be fair, the challenge of Italy on Sunday, while it will be pretty big it's not as big as playing France away or Wales so um, it's a great chance I think Sinead to get a win on the board because if they don't it could be a long long six nations where they're looking at a wooden spoon and that's the reality of it Okay, well, hopefully they will get that win on Sunday. Keane and Keane, great stuff. Thanks for that. Well, that's it from us on the left wing. You can read Keane's report from Musgrave Park on independent.ie in Sunday evening and the rest of the reaction as well in Monday's Irish Independent. Talk to you soon. 